0: The news out of Washington, D.C. lately is usually, in a word, unprecedented. In other words, many people's response after hearing or reading the news today is, What? Some insist that we don't need a government. We need a king. Would that help? And who could we use as a role model? Lincoln Steed, not a king, but an editor of Liberty Magazine, is here to shed some light on the role of the king and how it relates to the state in which we live. Lincoln, the time is yours. (laughs) Well, we're into some heavy stuff. Oh, my, yes. Before I
1: talk about the king, I love history. Uh And just a few days ago, I was reading again the story of the great betrayer of American history, Benedict Arnold. Uh-huh. And it's worth remembering that Benedict Arnold has gone down in infamy, but he was a hyper-patriot, a hyper-patriot. And as you read his life story, you'll see that he was victimized by some of the leading political figures in New York who themselves were sympathetic to the British. Hmm. And they victimized him to such an extent that You can read the letters where he appealed to his benefactor, George Washington. He was very close to George Washington for some relief from their incessant attacks. And he says, you know, convict me, hang me, kill me, get it over with. (laughs) (laughs) But they're after me. And they were. And uh, he expended a lot of his fortune and his uh, energies in being very diligent toward the revolution. His personal mistake was that he liked all of the uh, trappings of success and so on, and he was a bit of a party man, and I think that's where it went down. But the point I'm trying to make is the hyper-patriot has been lambasted and uh, perpetually vilified as the traitor, but there's often not a great difference. And I think it's very sad at the moment that a number of our public figures are calling the other party traitorous and the enemy and so on. Be careful. They may not be, even if at a given moment, something that they're doing or represents may be in opposition to what is the mainline view. Because as I read Benedict Arnold's story, I, I don't think even up until the very final moment, he was necessarily traitorously inclined to his country. But events sort of... Cut his bridges so much that he was parleying with the enemy. I thought of this when I was reading some comments by uh, Alexander Hamilton about what should characterize impeachment, and you know he he really talks of the sort of stuff that Benedict Arnold got himself involved with. Where you're dealing with the foreign power, and it's wiser heads than yours or mine will need to decide is anything like that going on. But we do live in a strange era when the line between patriotism and total sellout is often not easy to see, Hmm. Hmm. which brings me to a Bible analogy. (laughs) The prime example, Daniel, probably a, a son of a wealthy or aristocratic family in Jerusalem taken into captivity to the capital of the world, Abel was constricted into service of Nebuchadnezzar first and then several other kings and different regimes that followed. And it's amazing that he was counted as loyal.
0: <laughs> mm, interesting. Interesting. But
1: yeah. uh, he, he had reason for other interests. He, he worshipped a god that was a strange god to the Babylonian gods mm-hmm. and, and that caused him a few initial conflicts. But he showed that he was inflexibly determined to keep trust with the responsibilities given to him by the civil state. And uh, that was recognized by first Nebuchadnezzar and then uh, and then on through, right up to Belshazzar's feast, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where as an old man, Daniel actually was put in a position where he transliterated the, the moving hand and the words on the wall from heaven. And he says, your kingdom is weighed in the balance and found wanting. Yeah. But there's no evidence that he had turned against the kingdom per se. He always knew that it was less than God's kingdom, but he would be loyal to it as long as anything he did for it didn't cross his loyalty to God.
0: There it is. There it is. Because I guess the first time it crossed it is when the king says, you need to bow down and pray to me and me only. And Daniel says, no, I'm going to pray to my God at my window every night. Am I right?
1: Right. One of the lessons that I've I've brought out in sermons before that that I think is relevant here again, Nebuchadnezzar was a very self centered, <laughs> boastful
0: And that's being yes, kind of 'm like yes. that today. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: boastful <laughs> leader. But he was a very effective leader. Yeah. Babylon was the great kingdom of the time. And the Hanging Gardens of Babylon are long gone, but they at least in memory exists as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Yeah. But this great king, when he was confronted with the, quote, disloyalty of not Daniel on that occasion, but Daniel's three friends, Mm -hmm. he said what you said, you know, why don't you worship my gods and all the rest? And then when he saw a clear sign that God was with them, literally in the fire, it's very interesting in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar now overwhelmed and and, and suddenly uh, thrilled at the possibilities of, of this divine potentate he says to the, the assembled crowd of leaders of the whole kingdom, he says, you know, you must acknowledge the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and if you don't, he says, I'll burn your house down and make it like a dunghill. <laughs>
0: oh, and that, that was a subtle man, wasn't it? Just a subtle man. Right. man.
1: And I've had, when I've mentioned that text in, in, in sermons, I've had people, amen, amen. <laughs> and I say, that's exactly the wrong attitude. Yes. And, you know, we need to be careful today. We're, we we live in the United States, which is a um, not really a democracy. It's a representative government, yeah. but it you know it's power derives from the people. But we have certain leaders at different times with different views. But it's not enough to have a certain freedom of religion. But if religion is forced on people, mm-hmm. if a religious viewpoint is heavily laid on, on the community, that will be as dangerous as what absolutely, Nebuchadnezzar did. And absolutely. I think as we head toward more autocratic leadership style, let's just call it style. Yes.
0: yes good.
1: There's the danger that there could be a you know a repeat of what Nebuchadnezzar was doing. Because thankfully many of the leaders in the United States are personally impressed with biblical truth, mm-hmm. with you know, with the God who's on high. But as they drift toward a more uh, heavy-handed type of uh, rule, I think there's that same risk that uh, Nebuchadnezzar showed. There's an interesting follow-up that a lot of people don't seem to remember, that Nebuchadnezzar, while he gave a good pion of praise to the Lord, a little bit later he comes out in the evening on those hanging gardens and stands on the balcony and looks over Babylon must not have had the, the low-lying heat fog that you get in the Middle East now. But, you know, he looked over it and he says, you know, isn't this the, the city that I have made, this wonderful, great Babylon? Yeah. And the Lord looked down and the dream of his came true where he was so proud. He was cut down like a, like a flowering tree, and, and, and which animals and others sheltered under. He was doing very good things, yeah. sheltering the Jews, yeah. for example he was cut down and for seven years says, ate grass like an animal. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me that we've sometimes joked about it, but there's a thin line between genius and madness.
0: Yes, there is. And
1: Germany got to cross that line in World yeah. War Two with, with Hitler, who was on one level, I think, a genius. There's no question But it went horribly wrong. And in our age, we've seen it usually in Africa, but sometimes in other countries, leaders that that follow that that route and and I you know I pray that the Lord protects this country from leaders of either party or of any origin i don 't care, but you know they need to be protected against thinking, this is this great United States that I have that made I have
0: made, yes,
1: yeah, you know, rather yeah. than the people, and as well it 's never been founded on religion from the very beginning, especially at Thanksgiving time, mm-hmm. you know the presidents one after the other have recognized the provisions that God has been pleased to lay upon this country. And you can maximize them by godly living and and uh, allowing freedom of worship and other, other principles of heaven.
0: Oh, I like that. I like that. This is a country and these are freedoms that God has made available to us and we need to put our thanks where it really is deserved and that is is in God's court. What part do we have? You just touched on it now, but expand a little bit. What part do we have then to make sure that we don't turn leaders into kings and kings don't turn us into slaves?
1: Well, I think we have the same part that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had when the king laid it on them. They said, We don't need to be careful to answer you, O king, mm. our God whom we serve. Yes, yes. So we need to keep our priorities straight. In the little time I have left, I just want to add a little postscript. If yes, you like. yes. I mentioned in another program once about uh, the experience of the English Civil War 100 years before the American Civil, well, the first American Civil War with England. That's really what it was. You know, we're in an impeachment season at the moment, which, yes. you know, I hope and pray it comes out well for our country. And if nothing else, it's a good experiment in civics for all of us. That's true. When I look back on the origins of their thinking, it wasn't Benedict Arnold that drove their thinking primarily. He was a personal tragedy. What had to have been fresh in their mind was why they overthrew the government barely a long lifetime earlier and executed the king. It was because he appealed to foreign powers for help in his civil war. Oh my! That was the single charge oh that they executed him on. As he was flailing and, and, and then was imprisoned by the Scotch, he sent emissaries to the French Catholics to raise a Catholic army to come and relieve him, and that's what did it in. So, you know, whether it's presidents or congressmen or, or lobbyists or whatever, I think it will go badly for any country if the, not just the enemies, but if other systems are being called upon to uphold a system here that that is run by the people here, that its power comes from the citizenry. So, again, to... To look at the hierarchy of our individual behavior, heaven first, which should mean that we are the most careful citizens and responsible citizens. And unless our civic responsibility asks something contrary to God's claim, it should mean that we are the best possible citizens and supporters of the public good that could ever be.
0: Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, sharing words of wisdom with us today. If you want to read some more of those words or hear these words again, we invite you to go to libertymagazine.org. Subscribe to the magazine for you or for someone that you believe needs to, to read these words and, and hear these things. And you can share these radio programs, podcasts, and Lincoln's television programs. And uh, read all the articles in Liberty Magazine. That's all at libertymagazine.org. Lincoln, as always, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate your words of wisdom and guidance. My pleasure. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258, or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today.